Hello, everyone. We here at Faith and Fable are happy to announce our one-year anniversary giveaway is going on this very minute. Crossway Publishing is sponsoring our one-year $100 giveaway in the form of the entire New Testament ESV journaling Bible set. This 19-volume set, including every book of the New Testament, each volume is thin, portable, and perfect for personal Bible study, small group Bible study, or taking notes through a sermon series. So don't miss your chance to win by giving us five stars on iTunes and leaving a review. Here's the deal. To be eligible for this drawing, not only must you leave a five-star rating, but you've got to give an outstanding review to satisfy the expectations of Mark Mueller. So head on over to iTunes for your chance to win. This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt And I'm Mark. All right, guys, you know what you got to do? <laughs> what, what are you talking about a, today? That was um, my golf voice. Your what? My golf <laughs> announcer voice. How, did, how does and that go? that's a three wood. This is Matt Miller, and you're listening to Faith and Fable. Have you, ever, have you ever version? been to a golf tournament? Never. That is the strangest place in the world. There's thousands of people, and you can hear a pin drop. It's so weird. I'm He's assuming a, you've been to one. Yeah, I've no. been to one. I had. I was actually to in line famous? at the 18th hole. Yeah, it was at, it was at the Western Open. So the 18th at the 18th hole in line, a little kid holding a golf ball, ready to get it signed by Tiger Woods. Tiger comes walking down with his two security guards on either side, grabs my golf ball. Literally was about to sign it, and his security guard goes, Tiger doesn't sign golf balls. And then Tiger had to give his golf ball back to me. No way. Dead serious. Well, he touched it. I, I know. I, yeah, I held on to that. Since when it. does he listen to security? He, he, he's a machine. He doesn't do, he doesn't function for himself. He literally just, he's a robot. And he like, him personally. Tiger doesn't do that. Like people speak for him. He's a figure. You know, the older I get, the more happy I am that I am absolutely unknown. I remember wow. meeting Marsha Clark, who was the head prosecutor for the O.J. Simpson. Oh, yeah, for sure. And her whole life just changed once she oh, became horrible. famous yeah. and then infamous. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, I could go my whole life without having a yeah. lawn filled with or a security guard tell me I don't. I mean, Excuse me, if I want to sign this, I can't. This I, podcast right here is about to catapult you into the, <laughs> the mainstream. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know that we've arrived when not only do they buy a coffee mug, but they want us to sign it. Oh yeah. God! <laughs> In fact, what would we charge for a signed coffee mug? We'd probably give it for cheap. Twelve fifty. Bump it up gosh. fifty cents. A quarter each. Quarter per signature. All right. Yeah, man. It's just going to wash off in the dishwasher. No, no, no. We'll use Sharpies. On a blackish mud. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll, oh, okay. we'll, we'll do something. Use my wife's diamond ring and just oh, spray it. <laughs> okay. Anyhow. <laughs> so. The sin of hearing. <laughs> yeah. Let's just bring this now in completely light, down. In light <laughs> of all these people listening to this podcast and hearing our words. Yes. <laughs> 
All right. So fair warning. First of all, this might turn into a rant. Matt and I have agreed that we will try to watch each other and uh, calm each other down if we go off a little bit too strong. But um, we just want to talk about a, a, a sin, right, that we see all the time today. Uh, it's, it's actually a very old sin. Um, it's the sin of being a merely a hearer. Um, you, you, you see it today all the time with people saying, I love to hear great preachers. Uh, I love to post pictures of books that, uh, I'm reading, love to talk about sermon and critique it. Um, my favorite is I love to find error in some point of theology that I heard. And yet, meanwhile, you look at their life and it's an absolute shambles and a train wreck that's literally just unfolding right before your eyes. Um, you did an excellent sermon uh, a short time ago that uh, brought out this um, a love of being convicted but not repenting. You want to elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, well, that's just something that's been on my mind. Um, you know, because we, in our circles... Um, where we're all about truth and theology, which is great. I'm not trying to min minimize that, but in in light of that, our our stream is such that we love to be convicted, but very little action takes. Yeah, we place have no our... <laughs> intention of acting on the conviction. Yeah. Um, and because you know, when you're convicted, you still feel like you're a Christian or something, or you're still interested in the things of God, and um, so we like the hard hitting sermons. We like to you know, when people just are blasting things from the pulpit and we feel that conviction, um, we love it. And, you know, part of this is just, a, I would argue though, is a consumer mentality. Um, we like to rag a lot on the consumer driven church, you know, yeah. churches that- Attractionalism. Yeah, yeah, attraction, yeah, based churches where, you know, they throw up the rock climbing walls or they got the lights or the cool music or whatever. and. You know, we're just, no, all you need is the Word of God. Well, the reality is we're consumers too, except our product is different. The product is teaching or the Word of God. And from that, you know, we get our nice conviction on things. Um, but that that is not what it means to be a Christian. That is not what it means to be mature. That is not what it means to be growing in Christ, where you love to hear the Word of God and feel something as a result of right teaching. Because um, if it never makes itself to your hands and your feet and you work that out and you apply those things, repentance isn't a reality for you. No. You're just a person who's heard the word of God and felt conviction, but that needs to lead you then a step further, which is right application. I, I mean, there's so much I want to say, but most of it probably wouldn't be helpful, but it's so true how we, we pat ourselves on the back because we surround ourselves with great teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet we don't actually do what the word taught us through yeah. these great preachers yeah. uh, and it's hypocrisy at its worst type. And so you can, you can rip on Furtick all you want, right? Um, and him using his super soaker to talk about the Holy Spirit and how this is blasphemy, but it's also blasphemy to simply talk about the word of God and have no intention of obeying it. Um, and so all of the, all of the ways that people wrestle and twist um, themselves into the most silly of arguments to defend uh, watching immoral actions on television or a movie or, or the, I mean, right now, Illinois just legalized pot, right? So the new debate that's going to be rising up, I know, 
uh, around here is, well, can a Christian smoke pot? It's like, why would you? Let's not worry about why Why can't I? It's why, to what end? Right. To what purpose? In what way? Are, well, I can do it to God glorifying. When you hear that, you almost guarantee that the guy probably doesn't have much glorifying going on in his life because he's just looking for another escape. But it all is flowing out of a heart yeah. that, and 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 it's a it's a great problem in our our uh, church today in America. Yeah, and one of the difficult things to reconcile as a pastor, preacher, and teacher, and 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 this certainly applies to us because we spend many many hours studying the Word. But we we talk a lot about just the idea of the talents, right? Where Jesus yeah. talks about you know to one he's given one, to one he's given five, another he's given ten. If you're sitting in a good under good teaching. And even if, if it's at your church or you're hearing it from YouTube or whatever your favorite ministry is and it's solid stuff, the more that you hear and the more that you consume, the more you're now responsible for, you know? And so the more that you keep hearing, the more condemnation you perhaps might be building up for yourself if it doesn't work itself out practically in your life so that you start growing in that holiness. Well, and, and, at some point, it becomes a very real question of, are you even in Christ? And we'll even deal with some passages about that here coming up. But um, And so then you get like Romans 2, where you're literally just storing up for yourself the wrath of God, and you don't even grasp it because you're posting one more Paul Washer sermon um, meme, and, and you think, oh, this will get him. And yeah, it's like, you know he's talking about you. <laughs> Actually, you. Yeah. He's concerned about your soul, and you're sitting here behind Facebook or whatever it is, posting and posting and posting, and you're missing the whole point mm-hmm. of what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ. So, it it it's a serious issue, um, and we don't want to just make it something where we're joking or just ripping on people. It 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 really causes our soul as pastors to ache. We we preach week in and week out. Um, and you know you have people who have sat there and sat there, and you're like, "Is is it is it happening? Is what what's going on?" Mm-hmm. Um, and scary. So, with that, um, we 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 have three passages that we're just going to uh, have Lena read from, and we'll make some comments after she reads each one, and then we'll build off of all that. So, the first passage is the best known one, uh, James one eighteen through. <laughs> 27, right? In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. One who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does." If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father, to visit orphans and widows in their distress 
and to keep oneself unstained by the world. All right, so true to James' style, he's smacking you right in the face. He's a, he's a subtle guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, he is what he is. Uh, he's also <laughs> the half-brother of Christ. And, uh, and, and it's the very first New Testament book written. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's dealing, it's uniquely Jewish, too. Uh, if you don't understand Jewish uh, thinking and theology, you, um, you, you don't usually understand James well. Um, it's the very first book I preached through uh, as a pastor. Um, and, and first of all, I, I just have to point out that this, there's a passage here that's so often misapplied. Uh, it says, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And, the, and it usually is about, you know, we need to be good listeners, um, don't don't be talking in your marriage. Let's just let's let's open up our ears. God gave us two ears and one mouth, and all yeah, the, yeah. all those other things that we hear. It has nothing to do with that. It's not talking about being listeners in good communication. Um, he's talking about you need to be slow to react in anger to the word being taught, and you need to be very slow to begin to want to speak about the word or teach the word. Right. Instead, you should be hearing the word, which is why he says, um, it, in humility, receive the word implanted. Why? Because it's able to save your soul. But we react against it. We start arguing and debating it. And, and we see this all the time as pastors where you're trying to get pastoral counsel from the word and the people stiffen up and start to open up their mouth and talk before they should. And, and James would say, look, be quiet. And, and there's nothing about your anger here that's going to fix this. Just listen to the word and hear it and receive it. Um, but if you can't hear it, then you'll never be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so then he transitions into this whole problem we have of being merely a hearer uh, rather than a doer. Yeah. And, and he talks about if you're only a hearer, then you're deluding yourself. And, and he's not talking there about you're just fooling yourself in some vague way. He's talking about your soul. He's like, you've deluded yourself into thinking you're saved. You're not. Mm-hmm. If, if that's all you are, if you come to church and fill up your notebooks with countless sermons and you have no intention of doing that, or you, like he says, you, you look in the mirror and then you've forgotten what you've seen, meaning you're in a church, you've received the word, you've heard the word, you've recorded the word, and you're outside the parking lot and you can't even remember, um, then something something's going on there and you should t- stop real carefully and take a, a careful uh, stock of, of, of your state, state before God. Would you, would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the pet verses that stand out to me in this is where he says, um, and here's where he gives the positive Kind of, um, he says, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, right? Um, meaning living in that reality consistently, um, and not having become a forgetful hearer. Um, that one has always stood out to me because it's really easy to do well early on when you first come to Christ, um, but then there's this moment where things begin to slow. You become begin to become hardened. Things become to be, begin to become a bit dry for you. Um, you, or, you start to you grow th- cold. Or you think you've got it. Or you think you got it figured out. But he says, not having become, so there's this process here. It's not right. this instant thing, a forgetful hearer. So you're still a hearer. You're just a forgetful one. Um, rather, you should be an effectual doer, meaning now hearing the word, 
effects something, it creates something, namely you doing what the word is, is saying. And it's something that I think is so applicable to people who have been in the faith for some time, who have walked with the Lord for a while and haven't grown cold to the word of God and in the things that are being taught there. Um, because he says, if, if you become an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed and then what he does. Which is a very Hebrew yeah. concept right yeah. there. And then, but they wonder why, why do I not bear fruit? It's like, because you're a hearer, but you're a forgetful hearer, you're not an effectual doer. So you're not blessed in what you do. Yeah. And in fact, one guy described that as that you're not therefore in the channels which God has sovereignly ordained grace to flow through. Mm -hmm. If you're not there, then the grace is flowing, but you're not even where it's at um, because you're not in that state of remembering and then acting upon what you've heard. Yeah. Um, and then he goes on and pulls up the whole point of visiting the orphan and the widow. It, this is not a call to social action. It's yeah. not, it, that's not the point, and therefore we need an orphan ministry. Um, it, it's emphasizing, again, the simplicity also of what it looks like to actually live out your, your faith. Um, that you are going to see these people who have a genuine need and you have that ability. And hearkening all the way back into the Old Testament, you are to care for those who have genuine need. Yeah. And that uh, a man or woman who has the ability to help and turns a, a hard, hot, heart, has a hard heart that turns away, he's like, then you're not even understanding what, yeah. what your faith should be producing. Um, again, um, there's a lot we could talk about it, but I think. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the context of the faith community. Yes. It's, it, you're right. It's not a call to social justice or something like that. It's it's caring for those brothers. John picks this up in his letter. Yes. But it's caring for those within, first and foremost, that faith community. That's where it's to be working itself out. And then eventually, you know, it flows out then into the world. Yeah, this is not the call. This is not the verse you use to start a homeless ministry. Right. Uh, this is a call that when you have a brother, sister in need, mm -hmm. you, you come alongside and you help them. If you want to start a homeless ministry, start one. Just understand that that's not the primary emphasis on it. The entire whole, whole, whole of the scripture is primarily focusing upon your brothers and mm -hmm. sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. um, Christ said, you shall know uh, they sh the world shall know your love uh, through your love. Uh, your your deeds to one another, yeah. Yeah, they shall know that you are Christians through your love toward yeah. one another. It's that simple. So his point is not hearing, but doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, then, Lena, you want to read the next one? Sure. Um, out of Matthew seven twenty one through 28. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. 
When Jesus had finished this, these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. All right, so this is one of those really scary passages. Um, I preached several sermons on this over my uh, time as a pastor. Uh, the first of all, it, what stands out for me uh, specifically is, he says, many will say to me on that day, and that day that he's referencing is not like tomorrow, it's on the day of judgment, uh, when yeah. when the final resurrection is occurs and and all shall stand before him and shall be judged, and then they will be found guilty and cast into hell. So, you know, the way I describe it to people is understand that Jesus said that 2,000 plus years ago. So, these people, and it's not just a few, but many, he says, many are going to say this. They're very confused, and, and they've literally spent the last 2,000 plus years in hell and is waiting for that day of judgment yeah. because they believe wow. he made a mistake. Yeah, They're like, okay, we can fix this. Now, an aside, I've often thought where the evil of the Roman Catholic doctrine of purgatory comes sure. in yeah. is is yeah. makes that even all the more vile because you got people there who are thinking oh I'm just getting purified yeah. oh. it's like no it's not getting better buddy um, you, you wait until the lake of fire um, but so for 2,000 plus years these guys are deceived into thinking once I get in front of Jesus I'll make my case yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do it yeah. and and the case is very simple it's I, I prophesied, and and then not just prophesied, but in your name, right. right? And and this brings terror when you see these health, wealth, prosperity people. Right. Yeah, and they actually prophesied. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. He's not debating. No, right. you didn't. Right. They yeah. actually cast out demons. Yeah, they actually perform miracles, all in his name, and yeah. he's not debating it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, and yet you, you walk in the way I describe in that one sermon was, look if. If you had a guy come in and he was missing a leg, I mean, it's gone. And some guy said, I have a word from the Lord that's his will for you to be healed. healed. And he says, he touches you and says, be healed in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we all, as a congregation, witness a limb grow. Wow. And the guy's, it's like, it's there. Um, okay, that'd be pretty crazy, right? And I, I would say that the vast majority, I asked the, the church, I'm like, how many would see that this was a great miracle of God and that this person was of God? And they all agreed. And I'm like, and yet Jesus is like, I'm unimpressed. It yeah. doesn't matter. What, I, and he, I always, I point this one out too on this passage is it's not when you get there on that day, he'll say, I don't know you. It's, I never knew you, past yeah. tense, when you were doing those things. Yeah. So it's not like they were men of God or women of God and then they fell away. It's even when they were doing those miracles in the name of That's Jesus. That's a good point. I didn't know you even in the midst of that. Yeah, and, and, and why? Because you are those who practice lawlessness. So you, you want to take away the terms, uh, cast out demons or perform men and miracles. How about, but Lord, Lord, did I not get an MDiv? Lord, Lord, did I not preach many sermons? Did I not raise up? my children, did I not, whatever it is, we, we, you can fill in the blank all over the place, but ultimately it's marked out by, are you a person who obeys God's word? Mm -hmm. uh, are you a man of lawlessness or are you not? Yeah. 
And then it's framed out here. He says in the beginning, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. So again, it's it's the mouth. You're, you're talking again, <laughs> right? So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, and then he says what he says, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to give those examples. And he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. In other words, it's not so much what you say, but it's it's what you hear and then do with what you hear. Um, talking then about the word of God, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's the, the, these people who they, they keep hearing and they keep talking, but he's interested in people who keep hearing and then Acts upon it. Yeah. Right. And he says, you know, that it, you have to act on them. And so, again, our point behind this little rant is um, we're, we're exhorting you as you listen to this, you know, to take serious stock of your heart. And there, there, there could very easily be a moment here where you just need realize you need to go before the Lord in serious repentance. And, and there's things that you have been playing with um, that just need to go away. They need to go away. Once and for all, you need to just unplug them, yeah. move out, whatever it needs to be, but that they are not consistent with what the word says. You know it. You've been convicted a thousand times over it. You really love that, like you said, that sense of conviction yeah. that makes you feel something's going on, but the reality is you're not acting on it. He's like, can't do it. Yeah. Unless people think we're being legalistic here, and this is one that's been on my mind because I just finished this deal with the Great Commission, um, Jesus says, make disciples how? by teaching them, not doctrine merely, teaching them to observe or do my commands. Yeah. How many though? Well, he gave over 300 yeah, in but the Gospels. He, oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying, all. Yes, I'm <laughs> teaching like, them to observe. that was a softball, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, teaching them to observe all my <laughs> commands. In other words, I mean, Jesus could be accused just as easily of legal, legalism. Because yeah, he's constantly no calling people to do, obey, yeah. walk in a manner worthy, um, not just believe and by faith alone. Faith always acts, right? So they say faith alone, but faith is never alone. Faith is always acting and doing and obeying. And so... Um, and, and I'll be a little bit more mean. Um, oftentimes, the person who cries legalism is simply a false professor there. They want their sin, and and they want to be able to claim Christ, and you just can't. They're incompatible in the Scripture. Um, so if if they want to think of it, fine. But as you said, then they have to deal with Christ who says, Department from me, you who are in the lifestyle of practicing lawlessness, or you are the one who will not obey all that I command. And that's, that's our job. We're not merely creating theologians. We're trying to create a person who is an obedient, faithful follower of Jesus Christ, which mm -hmm. is much different than just saying, with my mouth, I profess these things. Yeah. So next one. Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O oh naive ones, will you love simplicity? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my, repro turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. 
I will make my words known to you, because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention, and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes on like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof, so they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive shall kill them, and the complacency of fools shall destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. Right. So I actually referenced this in my sermon Sunday, and um, it's the idea of wisdom being personified, and it's not hard to follow. What stands out, though, is wisdom is, biblically, the idea of wisdom is skillfully applying the Word of God. So you can know the Word, um, you can be able to quote the Word, but mm-hmm. wisdom says that I've now absorbed that to the point that it's it's used and it's evident in why and how I function as a as as a Christian, um, what's brutal here is she says, if you choose to spurn me, if you do not gather me in the in the season where I'm crying out and calling, and I would argue for that is that when you are sitting under sound teaching, um, week in and week out, and you turn a deaf ear, um, you are setting yourself up for that day that all people will face. It will be a day of calamity. It can be now. It can be on your deathbed, but it's it's that day when you desperately need to know what to do. And and she says, not only will I not answer, but I will mock you. Yeah. That's brutal. And again, this is God's word, but it's 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 far more strongly worded than we like to do it in our quote unquote gospel centered, grace centered, Christ centered kind of thinking that, hey, God tells us to love our wives as Christ loves the church. That's a command. But isn't it great to know that Jesus did it because you can't? It's like, that's not what Paul said. He says, as a Christian, love your wife. Love your wife. And, yeah. and it, do it like Christ does. And he doesn't say, and don't worry about the fact that you won't do it because Christ did it for you. It's do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the assumption is because you have the Spirit and because you have been made new and being conformed into the image of Christ, you are able to grow in that and develop that. Um, having said that, you know, too often as a pastor, we, we've seen this, where people spurn sound counsel and the Word. They don't build it into their life, and then the hard time comes, and now they're they're come to you with the omelet, right, or the broken egg, and they're like, "Fix it!" And you're like, "I'm not even sure I can make an omelet out of that." Um, you, I'm sorry, there's there's not something good there, and so again, here we just have an example of the word being um, ignored, not being stored up. And and therefore, on that day that we desperately need it, it's it's not present in our lives. It's that, yeah. You know, I, I, again, how many times you you preach on biblical parenting or biblical marriage or whatever it might be, and then they're they they ignore it all, yeah. And then they're like, "Help me with my kids," and it's like, 
you had 15 years. <laughs> uh, what I don't know what to do. I, I, I mean, I'll pray with you, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just preach the principles, but, you know, your application, what we could take it or leave it. It's kind of the attitude sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to hear because it's like you you study the principles, you spend time in the text, you read a lot about these things, and you're like, I, I, see, I see the end result of this, you know, and I'm trying to give these things to you because I've thought through them, and you're the one asking for counsel, and then when it's given, eh. I think that's you know. probably the most frustrating, or one of the more frustrating, is that they've actually come for you for counsel because they recognize something about you that, you know, you have a knowledge of the word or something, and then you grant it and you give it to them because you love them. And then they give you Shredded, that. Yeah. And, and you're like, they've just become their own counselor. Why did, why did you yeah. come? Yeah. 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 So with that, let's try to make this more positive. We want to talk about then how do you become a doer of the word? And we have several simple principles here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, you must know it, <laughs> which means you must read it. So we're not, I mean, we love theology. We love doctrine. We're big proponents of sound teaching, good teaching, rich teaching, robust teaching, but um, we're just saying it can't stop there. But it presupposes that you do know it and that you understand it well and that you understand it rightly. And so if you don't put yourself into a position to learn it well, you're already going to be off on the wrong foot. And so if, if the first step the absolute first step in becoming a doer is that you first must know what the Bible says. Yeah. So that's not real deep, um, just yeah. basic. Uh, second, then, you need to make it a habit early on. Um, it's so hard if you try to pick this up later on in your Christian walk. But uh, we would say to parents, um, listen well to this, or you will be pierced through with much grief in years to come. Uh, put it into the life of your child from their earliest days that they are in the Word of God. Um, I've, I think I've said this in past uh, podcasts. We integrated the Word of God and the reading of the Word with our children um, since they were children. The moment they could read, we bought them Bible, and they were required to begin to read it, and it was a half an hour a day. It was not an option. It was not discussed. It was that was the way it was. Uh, we we had Bible reading as a family, um, putting that into them, developing that habit, so that they are hearing the word and knowing the word. Because you have to hear it before you can do it. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to stop there. Right. But now, once you have them reading it, now you can appeal to that mm -hmm. and say. What did we just read? Yeah. You know, and you're already thumping on your sister. Come on, boy. Uh, yeah. uh, and then along with that, teaching them then that the life of a Christian is a life of repenting. You're, you're always going to be seeing more sin and other sin than different aspects of sin. But as you hear the word and read the word, you begin to see other ways that you're not doing it that you need to repent of. And that's okay. That's called growing. Right, right. Yeah. So the first step is you must know it. Second is now make Bible intake and study of it a habit. And then the third step then is begin to identify those major parts in your life and begin to figure out what God expects from you in those areas. So here are just some categories. Um, you know, worship. What does the Bible say about that? Um, you know, church. What are my responsibilities with regard to my local church? 
Um, now my family, that's a big area in a person's life. Uh, finances, you know, what does the Bible require me socially in terms of relationships, those kinds of things? What's my responsibility before government? Um, what's my responsibility in my work and my labor? So these are the big categories of a person's life that they're now to bring the word of God to bear upon and inform what now a godly walk looks like in those realms. So many years ago, I got asked to speak at University Christian Fellowship at our local university. And so I had the room full of people. I actually went through James uh, and being a doer of the word. So I just asked everyone, I said, so I'm curious, of in this room, how many of you feel fairly confident that you are a doer of the word? And they all looked at me. I'm like, no, I actually would like to see hands. I mean, how many of you feel confident that you're that way? And the room, everyone raised their hands. I'm like, okay, that's great. I, I said, I have pieces of paper. And I handed it out to everybody. And then I and I had pencils. I came, so there was no excuse. This is pre-smartphone. And I said, all right, let's identify these key areas of life, these that you just listed. And so they wrote them down. I said, okay, you have five minutes, no talking, no looking up in your Bible. I want you to jot down a Bible passage, at least one Bible passage for each one of those, not only that you know about, but that govern how you live today, that this is what you do. And it was bad. It was, it was brutal. Um, most of them, it was empty. They didn't have it. Some of them had one or two. And, and I said, all right, so let's ask the question again. How many of you are actually doers of the word? I got in so much trouble for that. Um, th there were people just furious with me. How dare you do that? What are you trying to say about me? And it's like, you're not doing the word. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. only have one Bible verse about anything, right. and yet you somehow are doing it. No, you're, you're just showing that you don't know the word. So same thing we can ask the listeners. Yeah. Just do that. Try it's it. A, in premarital, one of the opening questions, and I think the first night, there's like eight or nine sessions, so they're mm -hmm. going to certainly have it by the end of it. But it's, all right, so you're getting married in you know, the next few months or whatever. Each of you right now, give me the Bible verses that inform what it means to be a husband and all the Bible verses that inform what it means to be a wife. And yeah, they do pretty good, but it's, it's just interesting. Like how much, how many things are sometimes missed. In oh that. yeah. And it's like, it's the rest of your life, yes. you know, and you gotta, <laughs> and it, you know, it presupposes they want a biblical marriage, which they do. What but, I find also is funny how, the, the woman tends to be pretty good at pointing out what the man's supposed to be doing, <laughs> and a man can be pretty good. This is usually in marriage counseling. Well, she doesn't submit to me. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about you and your love, yeah. uh, and, the, and they don't like that. Mm -hmm. um, but okay, right. so the fourth one would be pick a character flaw and focus on it for a month or two. That sounds fun, yeah. but I do this all the time in counseling. Yeah. Um, you know, let's say you're prone to anger. All right. I would say a simple thing you can do is just go to the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, read one chapter a day, and in that chapter, pick out a passage that relates to your control of your emotions and write it out. If you can memorize it in that day, great, but take it everywhere you go, stick it on your desk, on your dashboard, and throughout the day, read it and meditate on it, but then also apply it that day. So a gentle answer turns away wrath, let's say. So all day long when somebody 
torques you because mm-hmm. they do that. You have to look at that passage and figure out how can I speak gently to them instead of with anger and, and apply it and pray that God would give you opportunities that day to apply that thing. The next day, chapter two, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the second thing on that is then learn to confess freely and without excuse or rationale that you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But but find that flaw that you have in your life, and we all have them, and begin to aggressively confront it. And, and you'd be amazed at what could happen in yeah. a, a month's time. I, I did that in seminary. We had to every semester. And oh, I didn't know that. The theme, the theme I picked more often than not was the theme of the tongue from Proverbs. And it was just brutal because it, <laughs> yeah, it, is. it not only hits stuff like, you know, just gossip or just loose lips or whatever. You're just irritated and you want to blow off whatever. Um, but throughout the Proverbs, it's not only the negative, don't do these things, but also the positive. positive. Yep. You got to now build up. And so you're now training your mind. And it's just Paul, right? Put off, put on. But training your mind to stop doing those things. But then now one of the best ways to do that is be actively looking for opportunities to speak a good word and to, to build somebody up. And and by the way, this would be a simple thing you could do with a, a friend. You want to get into a mutually discipling relationship. Um, just get a friend you trust or your wife or husband and just say, look, I'm going to be working on this. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I want you to ask me each day. And and let's if they both agree to do it, it's really kind of cool because not only that, but then you're obeying the scripture in James where you confess your sins one to another, where you're just saying, look, um, this is how my day went. And you actually begin to encourage each other because you realize, hey, we're we're figuring this out. And you realize that the spirit does bless yeah. a heart that yearns to obey. So Yeah. Um, and then the next one we would say is be quiet about it. Or how you like to phrase it is... Is Shut up. Yeah, that's what is written here. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, no one needs to hear about how you're working on a certain area of your life. And it is, and I I mean it in the truest sense, it's very exasperating to watch people constantly be public about what they're doing with their children, with their family, with their tongue, with their study habits, with their work, whatever. It's like, just be quiet about it and leave lead a quiet life of growing and stop making this thing a public affair. Um, just keep it private. And the result of that though, is it will become obvious in its own time Yeah, to people around you. Um, and if you're having to tell everyone that you're growing in godliness, you're not. <laughs> uh, and so you really need to be quiet. Yeah. Um, six, parents expect your children to mirror you. Um, so if you have undisciplined children, guess what? It's because you're undisciplined. If you have raised up unbelieving children, then likely it's because you're immersing them in unbelief uh, in a myriad of ways through education, TV, music, friends. These are all common problems. But how do you expect to have a household that are doers of the word when you're literally modeling for them unbelief and and hearing only, um, and that your your choice of filling up your time is one built around things that are basically contrary to the gospel. You can't do it. So you want to become a doer of the word, then you have to practice it, and then you can look at your children. Nothing exasperates a child more than a father who rebukes him for the very sin that he does. Um, you know, it might work when they're four, 
But when they're 14, they're not dumb. Right. And they can look at you and like, you do that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, next, we would say seventh, break away from ungodly influences. That's where it gets hard. Huh? Yeah. Well, and then James picks us up, you know, that keep yourself unstained from the world. Or, or Paul, bad company corrupts. Good, good character, yeah, and it's very true. Um, we would say lose friends that just need to be lost. <laughs> I mean, especially at first. I mean, if you're new to the faith, um, there's a lot of just old habits that need to be shed. And when you're around certain people that represent that old way of life, it's going to be much more difficult for you. Um, even family relationships are less important than you walking faithfully in obedience to your Lord. And because again, I had it in my mind, but you already quoted it was bad company does corrupt. I mean, actually corrupts, (laughs) not just doesn't help you or makes it a struggle. It corrupts good character. Well, and and Jesus said, I've come to separate, not, not to bring together. I'm, I'm breaking marriages apart. I'm breaking households apart with. Yeah, but he he didn't really mean that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Eighth, you're, you hearer, you. Um, (laughs) Eighth, develop relationships with someone who is serious about their faith. Um, It really is simple, but it's amazing what can happen when you begin to walk with another person who's who's serious about their their walk. Um, You can do this with friends, do it uh, as a disciple. You have to decide, but, but you have to Stop working, living in your own bubble, and actually get out there and find other people who are are showing evidence that they're growing in their faith. They're serious about pursuing Christ, and that's where again you abandon some people because you realize all we ever do is watch Netflix, and we watch shows on Netflix we shouldn't be doing. I need somebody else. I need somebody else in my life life that's going to help me go along. So, yeah. So good and ugly. Yeah, but that there are thoughts. <laughs> Those are our thoughts, yeah. <laughs> um, the sin of hearing is ubiquitous in the church, and it is a great evil. Um, it truly is an issue of eternal life and death. Uh, Jesus was absolutely ruthless with those who loved to listen and talk, but had zero intent in applying. And so we would say as one who is listening to this episode, we hope this has given you some things to think about and perhaps wrestle with in your own life. Um, But until next time, make sure to tune in, join the conversation, let us know what you think about hearing and doing, and don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review, and tell your friends.